This is a podcast where real doctors discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that unless you're on the waiting list for an exorcism in New York City, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. And if you need an exorcist, please contact your archdiocese. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Holy Toledo, a exploration of the various consecrated sites in northwestern Ohio. This is Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. You can find this podcast online at Hi Everybody MD on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or at www.hieverybodymd.com. And HTTPS actually works on the website now. Yay! Happy New Year. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, because the website works now? Yeah, because I was fit, uh, fussing with the website this morning. What a good Happy New Year. You can also call us at 530-DOCTORB. That's 530-D-O-C-T-O-R-B. The B this week stands for bad nursing because that's a lot of what we saw today. Yeah. Uh, we are joined this week by Dr. Greg Winter. What's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we are going to be uh, discussing something that Greg recommended for us, which is Season 1, Episode 11 of Evil called room 320 can can i immediately interject because by recommend i mean it's a thing that i had to be angry about when i was watching it the first time i can't recommend it as a thing to watch i did not enjoy it uh i i really like the show i think the show mm-hmm. is great um this episode was hot hot doo-doo I, the first time i watched it like my skin was crawling in anger yeah um i'm glad that you recommended the show before recommending watching this episode for the podcast because I really like the show too and I wouldn't have put yeah. it on if you hadn't recommended it and if I'd only seen this episode yeah. it's strange because it feels like I mean the show is kind of tooling along doing its own thing in this episode like like what's going on it feels like he was pregnant for a week and they just had to do a bottle episode and stick him yeah. in bed this was a bottle episode more more than yeah. anything it was just one room for an hour of pain. So brief synopsis of the series is that Mike Coulter from Luke Cage is a priest in training who researches whether or not someone deserves an exorcism in New York City. And he's joined by Asif Mandi and I always blank on her name, uh, Katja Herbers? Sure. Yes. Uh, that is who's right. a, a <laughs> psychologist. To do those determinations. Yes. Last this... week in episode 10, he got stabbed. This week, he's in the hospital. Yeah, this is all on Netflix if you want to watch it. I highly recommend watching the series. It's like kind of X-Files-y. It's kind of case of the week. It's supernatural, but they always try to give it a scientific explanation, which makes it satisfying and Except not stupid. Except for this episode. Except for this episode. Yeah. What the hell was going on? I don't know. So like, he right. ended up in the hospital, got some kind of surgery, and then they put him in a bed with no monitors and probably the worst placed IV I've ever seen. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> I mean, if that's where you want to start. <laughs> I mean, that is where I'm going to start. Also, the rail was never up. That's true. But also, it's not supposed to be. Is it? It's not. I, wait, I have I have one stupid thing. Yeah. Before. So uh, I was talking to my dad who listens to this show, and he's a little bit hard of hearing, and he had a um, some feedback, which was, you know, I like to listen to the episodes that you're in. I want to listen to the ones that you're in, and I can't really tell who's who evidently Jackson and I sound kind of similar so scary 
when somebody says something funny, it's me. <laughs> when somebody says something that's not so funny, it's Jackson. Dad, this is me. <laughs> no, it is me. <laughs> Dad, this is me, your son, Dr. Greg Winter. Uh-oh. Now, now I sound like everybody. Yep. <laughs> Way to go. Way to open up that can of worms because now, now he's going to be super confused about it. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. <laughs> but yes, going there, I thought the rails have to be up all the time. Like that was a big thing in our department. It's like if a kid's lying in the bed alone or they're at a fall risk, you should keep the rails up. That's, that's fair, but also the rules are different between kids and adults and full, full bed rails is considered a restraint and that is not allowed. You are not allowed to have restraints in the hospital at this time. You could have one bed rail up can't have both. And that's why most of the bed rails now are actually like kind of core. They're, they're like go down to halfway to your shoulder. Because um, otherwise you're like caging caging people in their beds. Luke caging people in their beds. Which, <laughs> <laughs> that was Greg. Um, <laughs> uh, but they also told him not to move because of his stitches would pop. I mean, that was sort of my main question about this is what unit is he in? Like where is he in surgical recovery? Is I, that what's going on? So I would assume he would be in like a trauma ICU. But he's not in the ICU. Nobody around him has any sort of breathing machines. He's not really getting monitored in Correct. any way. But if you got stabbed a bunch of times and you were almost dead, you should probably be in the ICU. I mean, probably he would be in either post-op observation or in the ICU. Or but, if you, especially if you have nurse druggy drug. Yeah. The thing that's frustrating about that is like, there is no consistency with what's happening to anyone. At, I mean, you, you have a guy laying in bed that's supposed to be getting medications all the time, and then he... Uh, it's, it's too frustrating to come up with a complete sentence about it. <laughs> well, so, so you said something very interesting, which was that he'd possibly be in post-op observation. And one of the first things that I noticed watching this episode was that he was never being observed. Right. That's that's the thing. It's like he's tucked away in a little room, which go, would go against everything in an unstable patient that you're trying yeah. to keep an eye on. Also, that nurse has too many patients to take care of all at once. <laughs> she, her ratios are too high. I, I mean, my real thought was, is how long is her shift? She's working the overnight shift and, and the, the day, day shift. shift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, how is this possible? She really, you know, when you love your job of killing people, <laughs> it doesn't feel like work, you know? <laughs> That was me, not Greg. If you only kill people you don't like, you'll never work a day in your life. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, she did that a lot. And then... Let's wait. I'm, I'm going to pause for a second and say when we're talking about she, David's uh, roommate in the post-op trauma ICU observation general admission ward... Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, ...was another black man who said that this nurse particular in particular the nurse with the squeaky shoes kills black patients by over medication and that's who we're discussing yes when we say she so nurse often nurse plague yeah nurse plague nurse block nurse squeaky shoes which brings shoes. up my other question how often is that guy in the hospital how does he know all this about nurse plague it's just yeah it's a frequent flyer it, i guess mhm mm every every visit they chop off a little bit of leg <laughs> And then they just went above the knee. I just it feels like there were so many ideas that wh whoever wrote this had like we're gonna we're gonna touch on racial disparities in medicine. We're gonna talk talk about the opioid crisis. We're gonna do all this stuff and like there it's was, just a jumble of nonsense. Yeah. And also before the credits even rolled or the the open rolled, what's up with Chekhov's rosary? <laughs> That's true. I mean, I think there was a lot of ideas. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. What was the point of the rosary? And flip it up. 
the the point of the rosary so the first person that david sees is a priest that he doesn't know because i mean it's new york city that's plausible that he doesn't know every priest in town it says <laughs> I mean, i'm gonna I leave you this argue. rosary here and if you never ever need anything from me flip it upside down so which, is that the priest the priest uh, signal yeah, that that's the pre signal. How weird is that as the signal to be to put Jesus fake face down, like cover up Jesus and then that way then I'll know that you need God like whatever. This It's the sign of distress. I want yeah. to watch this show because it's great, but also skip this episode because it Right. Is we also want you to watch Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, do watch this episode. I'm gonna disagree and say watch this episode of evil because it's like a fever dream it's it's an unreliable narrator situation all over again like midsummer Mm -hmm. except without the critical acclaim of midsummer yeah uh, executed in 42 minutes but it felt as long as midsummer so that's something like forever but that yeah that that first scene with the priest so the priest may or may not have been in line with right like uh, didn't he show up later in a hallucination yeah Wait, we're supposed to be talking about medicine here, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad liturgical question mark podcast? Clergical? Bad con- <laughs> liturgical, I believe, refers to the ceremony, like mm-hmm. liturgy. So maybe? Yeah. <laughs> clerical. It's bad clerical podcast. You're going to make those secretaries real mad. <laughs> Wait, aren't... Oh, Clergical. There you clergical. Go. There you That's go. the one. There That's go. the one. No, clerical we'll counts out. too. Yeah, I thought so. The clerk. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. I don't Two yeah. people on this podcast have played Dungeons and Dragons, and the other one's Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, but it's true. But, oh, can I mention one thing? What did you guys think of the, the nurse giving him an epidural? Okay, yeah, that's, um, that's not a thing that nurses do. No. Uh, it's a – an epidural is – is when you stick a needle between, oh, I can't remember the layers. I'm going to just butcher it if I just try to say it off the top of my head. Through some of the meningeal layers, yeah. basically. So it's basically a way to, to give medicine directly into your spinal column. You're not giving it into the nerves. You're trying to give it into the space that protects those nerves. The dura. The dura, if you will. Remember, your body is tubes. We've talked about <laughs> But when you give medicine in that particular space, the medicine is significantly; it will act significantly faster, and it will be more potent than if you were to do it through an IV. And because of that, it's a pretty significant procedure. You also are injecting into someone's into their spinal column, and so there's a potential to to do some significant damage. Um, in fact, uh, people have complications from getting like back stimulators and things like that, which goes into that same area. And so this is just not a thing that nurses do. Not that it's a super complicated procedure, but it's not. You know, you you do it under sterile conditions. And you are, it is not a thing that just somebody shows up and sticks a needle into your back. And she definitely did not do it under sterile conditions. No, she did not. She basically just took a gigantic needle, put it into his back, and just spilled blood all over her shoes, too. (laughs) That's true. They did show the the blood on the shoes. I don't know any nurses now that would wear white shoes. Ever. Yeah. You know, white really shows the stains very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to wear a white anything in a hospital that's gonna get real icky real fast and yet we insist on the white coats i don't wear my white coat i don't think i've worn my white coat you're one of the good ones i also work in an emergency department (laughs) i don't want various bodily fluids on my coat also i look like a child playing dress up which also doesn't (laughs) work as well there was a couple things that i did know i mean uh, that that 
thing with the nurse doing the epidural is, is pretty egregious, but epidurals do get done for surgical pain. So it, it's just not how they would be done. The thing I noticed kind of right in the beginning is there is this, I don't, you can't tell if anything that's happening in this epi- episode is a hallucination or not, but there's like patients that are kind of screaming and yelling. And that's something that is like, that happens in the hospital all the time. Like there's people in pain, there's people that are delirious, there's people that are just, I mean, all types of stuff is going on. And going, kind of going through medical training, it beats the humanity out of, of responding to that kind of stuff out of you. You just like- It's alarm fatigue. Yeah. There's it's so much stuff happening so many times that you just don't respond anymore. And it's it's a weird thing now that I don't work in the hospital. So like now when I'm in the hospital or I'm doing something in a nursing home and I do hear that, I have a tendency to respond like a human being as opposed to all the people around me who are just ignoring it. But you can't. There's, I mean, there's too much stuff going on and a lot mm-hmm. of it is- you know, underlying conditions and it, it, it's a fix the problem in front of you and recognize right. what's fixable and what's either not something that can be addressed immediately right. or, or it's not, not something it's, that's it's also like dangerous. that's not my responsibility. Like yeah. I have tons mm-hmm. of other responsibilities. I can't like if you respond to every alarm, you will ne- you will never get anything done. Yep. And there I mean, that's why there's a hierarchy in place. And, and it's weird because it's I mean, you get that alarm fatigue in order to survive, but it also is a weird feeling if you hear someone yelling help and you can you kind of like maybe you peek your head in and be like oh okay they're okay but yeah. they're still yelling help and you're just like eh, i don't care it's do i need to respond to it now or should i wait for someone else to respond to it and that's like the kind of disheartening thing yeah is like especially in the emergency department you hear a lot of yelling all the time and you kind of have to filter some of it out but then there's certain yells that go above the other yells <laughs> that you know you have to address and I think that's kind of where you're at. Like, I can hear kids screaming and crying all day long and not be bothered by it. But then there's like a certain scream that goes above the other screams that you're like, okay, I should address this now. Mm-hmm. And that's and the weird kind of part of your training to learn learn how to pick those actual alarms out of a sea of alarms. Find, re- find real screams. I was working at a hospital in, in Colorado and the fire alarm system was messed up. And that's like a weird, like, you can't ignore that, but unless you have a week where you have to ignore that otherwise you'll never get anything done that's just like a very weird scenario mm-hmm. <laughs> one of these could be real and we're all just going about our daily life we're going to die <laughs> or uh in columbus ohio every wednesday at noon the tornado sirens go off and you know to ignore a tornado siren at lunchtime on wednesday those tornadoes are in the background planning yeah <laughs> one of these we're, gonna days. Hit, we're gonna hit these guys wednesday on wednesday afternoon gonna wipe out columbus ohio yeah those the screaming like the oh god oh god oh god thing that's the kind of scream that would actually get someone to kind of come in especially if it's in the middle of the night i mean it's weird it it, it all just depends on what your what your particular alarm fatigue is because you if you're in a nursing home the stuff that you like people that are just like wailing wailing right and then you you can even check in and then talk and they're like i'm i'm okay and then they're just going back to where they're at um it's weird. It, it was just something that struck out as yeah. one of the few accurate things happening in the show. <laughs> but going back to not accurate things, what do you think of the nurse giving him a squeezy ball to do rehab in the middle of the night? I mean, there's a couple problems. This is the same nurse that did an epidural who's also doing physical therapy, which she is very prolific. Yes. Normally, these are handled by very different specialists. Specialists, yeah. Um, it, it's not unheard of for a nurse to give somebody exercises or to go through exercises, but normally that patient is evaluated. I mean, she's like, there was nerve damage. 
you know that because he was evaluated. I mean, somebody had to evaluate him to, to go through and see what the nerve damage was. And then they would do kind of more intensive stuff. And that might be something he does way later with the squeezy ball. But that's also not, I mean, not really nurse responsibility. Also not middle of the night time. Definitely not middle of the night time. Yeah. That's like when you get the call in the middle of the night from like a nurse during residency. He's like, hey, there's two orders for Tylenol. Can You, can, don't, can, you don't need this right now. Can, can you clean it up? They're the same. No, no, no. Clean it up. Like, it's that kind of stuff that drives people insane. It does, but also, Jackson, maybe you should be nicer to your nurses. I never got calls like that. I, I actually asked him, like, <laughs> did I offend? <laughs> did I? Did I? Checking, checking your body odor. Like, no, we're just trying to make it clean for the daytime. Like, I don't, don't care uh, about the daytime right now. I want to get through the nighttime. I'm nighttime, Jackson. Yeah. That's... Daytime Jackson cares about daytime Jackson. Exactly. That's a rare thing. <laughs> Again, this is all from before the credits. Too. <laughs> That's true. Um, I have a tangentially medical question from before the credits. I'm sorry. Uh, this is hi, everybody. There's no tangents. <laughs> We are laser focused. We are laser focused um, in a scatter pattern. <laughs> <laughs> How often do the cops debrief witnesses and friends and family in the hallway of the hospital? On a TV show? Always. All the time. Uh, all the time. <laughs> in real life, definitely not in the hallway. In the ER, I think you probably see more. We more do, cops. but we usually have them in a room where it's a little more quiet. And um, away from everyone who can looky loo, definitely not in the middle of the hallway though. And and I, cops are usually involved when there's something that just happened, um, and so that's kind of more in the acute setting, in the ER setting. I, I remember also in Colorado, uh, it, it was kind of funny when the you know when the other cop shows up to sort of relieve the sleeping cop, and there you know there's this immediate kind of um, who's is bigger contest that happens like. Everyone's just trying to prove that they're the one in authority. And in the hospital, I, I saw that when a cop got injured in an accident and the the sort of other police officers were coming into the, the ICU, the intensive care unit, they're trying to show support. And the doctor's like, hey, you all cannot be in here. There's a cert, there's like a limit per per patient. Yep. And, and the cops are like, well, we're cops. We're coming in. And it's just like, no, nope. you're not. You have no authority here. You guys can go outside. And it was... It's just like... It's a big pissing contest. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and a lot of times they'll be like, hey, can you figure out what's wrong? At least from an ER standpoint, like, hey, can you figure out what's wrong? We have to go. Like, right. <laughs> Hold on. I'll figure it out when I can figure it out. You get there's, to wait. There's a bunch of tests and stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, They're like, can you work faster? I'm like, for you? No. No, I cannot. <laughs> and I make a wait. Like, it's kind of like the same situation where you go to a restaurant and you're like, where's my food? What's taking so long? And then or you give them bad service or you're rude to your person, it makes people work slower. And that kind of happens. It's true. You get, more, true. you get more flies with honey. Yeah. So we get that a lot. Um, but anytime we have to debrief someone, it's usually in a, another room. Like I've had cases where someone got shot and you don't want to explain who got shot and how they got shot or how they're doing in the hallway where potentially someone who could be part of the shooting party can listen to it. Mm -hmm. So usually we're in a different room to do that. Can we move to, like, why this nurse decided to suffocate somebody? So, well, I'm going to preface this by saying that that may or may not have been a fever dream. Yeah, I'm too... This is, like, an, unreli an unreliable narrator that's also taking drugs and also got hit on the head and is waking up from surgery. Like, everything about anything you see And was that a Swedish count. festival? <laughs> was that... <laughs> 
in Midsummer. He was the May Queen. Ah, okay. Yeah. But it's one of those things you can't... No, but it did happen because that guy did die. But was found... that guy ever there? Oh, no, he did die because they found his... his uh, bracelet in uh, the locker. Let's yeah. not debate. So, it is, <laughs> so that's a real thing. And it's one of those... If he was on monitors, you can definitely tell someone's in distress. Right. But he wasn't. Did he die then or was he taken away in the middle of the night and died? I think he died later. No, she suffocated that guy with a pillow. And that's one of those things where the physical findings of suffocating someone on like autopsy. That would not be swept under the. It is not a subtle thing. Like you'll have retinal hemorrhages um, where your eye, your, your eye blood vessels burst. Um, Mm -hmm. You'll see struggle marks. You'll probably see parts of her skin under his nails because if you see retinal hemorrhages like that, you're going to look under the nails to see if there's other things like DNA I, or anything like that. It's one of those like if this nurse has has access to, you know, significant medications and the ability to do uh, epidurals, she could kill someone pretty easily. Suffocating someone with a pillow would not be that, – that's not what you'd want to do. where's the sport? <laughs> yeah. Where's the, sport? where's the heart? <laughs> And also, um, you can't really cut someone's bracelet off if they've sp- stayed in the hospital without someone going, hey, where's your bracelet? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays, they use the bracelets to scan to give medications. Yeah. You know, so, like, you're that's to keep them accountable for not taking drugs out of the system and then pocketing it. So, it always correlates. Mm-hmm. So, it's really hard for that nurse to explain, hey, why did you give so much PRN medication? Right. Right. Yeah, that's PRN a, meaning just as needed as opposed correct. to. Don't ask me what PRN the, stands for because I really have no idea, but I know it means as needed. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it a, means. As opposed to like a planned medication schedule. Yeah, correct. Yeah. It is not a scheduled medicine. It is an as needed for every time he said he was in pain. But then it also didn't make sense that she said, oh, how bad's your pain? And he said nine. She injected him with medications, but then recorded a two. Yeah, that's. A, that's the thing. They were like trying to explain that she's hoarding the drugs and changing the numbers so she doesn't it just doesn't it doesn't add up that way because she's trying to kill them. So she would actually just record a higher number and give more medication. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no reason to to write down less of it. Like I don't understand. It, just say that they were in nine and then give them that. Like stick with your story. They were in a lot of pain. I gave them more medicine. Mm-hmm. Instead of, oh, they were in kind of a pain, but I still gave them medicine anyway. Like you can't justify doing an epidural. For a level two pain, you give them Motrin or Tylenol and tell them mm-hmm. they'll be fine. Not a bunch of opiates, or and, or injecting it straight into the IV bag, which is really crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff in here. Uh, why is that crazy? Which part? The injecting it straight into the IV bag. So you can't dictate how fast that stuff. Well, you can, but it's probably going to go out at a slower rate that it's not going to be as beneficial to the patient. Okay. No. Oh, so the the real thing is is that. If you're going to administer some other medication into someone's IV, you don't put it in the bag. You're giving it. You want it. To, you want it to go to them. And if you put it into the bag, that until that bag gets all mixed up, you don't know the concentrations of anything. So medicines do get mixed in IV bags, but it gets mixed before it comes to the patient. Okay. You very. I mean, I'm sure that it does happen where things get in, injected. I think the only time I've ever done that is with like a migraine cocktail. Yeah, and and I mean like chemotherapy kind of gets done like that a little bit. But it's still like normally medications are mixed before you get it, or the IV is help the IV is helping push your medication through, or piggybacking. Or, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's called piggybacking. Um, the other thing that you never do, which always happens in TV, is injecting the medication into the tubing itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that because then you got a hole in the tube. Correct. Unless it's like self healing tube, which is 
pretty rare and I don't see it too often, but it does exist. You don't do that because now, yeah, you have a hole in the tube. And also that tube is dirty, right? So if you're, mm -hmm. if that tube's been on the ground or touching the bed or whatever, or, or slammed in a drawer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or that, and then you introduce a needle and then potentially introduce the bacteria that's on it into the tubing, you injected that patient with bacteria. You've just injected them with everyone that drawer has ever slept with. Correct. <laughs> that was Johnny. Not that me. was Johnny. <laughs> also, I also wrote, how come there's been so much IV pulling? That, like, by IV pulling, you mean the removing of a, an IV? Over and over again. David well, removing his IV. I mean, he's he's trying, you know, he's trying to stop access to uh, to drugging him into submission. It's, it's a bloody mess. Yeah, IVs are not that. I mean, I don't know. If you put I, I, IVs go in through a very small hole, usually you're using a pretty small needle. There's a little plastic sheath that threads over the needle once it's in the right spot. Depends on the gauge. And and but for for normal normal stuff where if someone is not using a large bore needle, just kind of a normal patient that you'd see in the hospital. If you pulled an IV out and then you just put your hand over it, it would stop it would stop bleeding almost immediately. It's like it, he's a he is covered in blood the yeah. entire episode. And I will say this: in the ER, when we do start IVs, you usually try to start the biggest one possible on people because which is different because yeah. you're. And when those get pulled, it's a bloodbath, yeah. and that's like a concerning thing. Right, but it's like he's he's not in that position. He's out of surgery. He is a, he's kind of a stable patient, um, stable or not. His if this is if this is observation, if this is post operational observation, they're doing a really really horrible job maintaining the dry and clean the dryness and cleanliness of his bandages. He is his, his bandages are sopping. are sopping wet and bloody the entire time. <laughs> Yeah. Also, the nurse reinforcing the IV with just wraps and wraps of tape around his wrist. Yeah. And that still actually doesn't reinforce doesn't, much no. because you still have the same fulcrum if you pull it. Yeah. You need to add more tegaderm on that thing. Well, normally you kind of bend the tube over on itself. So when it does get pulled, it doesn't pull on the needle. It pulls on the tube. It, it puts the pressure on the, the tube. So, I mean, that nurse, that nurse sucked. She's really frustrating. She was probably one of the most frustrating nurse representations, I think. Well, I mean, that's the thing that was making my skin crawl because it's I, I work with such great nurses and then like seeing like it, there was no other side of it. Right. Like, yeah, it's just like the nurses are bad. She wasn't just a bad person. She was a bad nurse, even if she had been a good, a, a good person doing her best. She was just bad. She was just bad. <laughs> yeah. She was bad at her job and a bad human being. Yeah. Right. I mean, she stopped the, his visitors from coming in because he had an, an infection. Yeah. That doesn't, that's a meaningless thing. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. no reason to stop someone from coming in because they have an infection. <laughs> if that's the case, no one can visit anyone yeah. ever. Well, it's kind of like right now. I mean, yeah, that's, it was kind of weird to see people roaming around in the hospital without masks on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was an odd thing. I agree. Um, Do you think they filmed this in a, in a soundstage or in like an actual hospital. So in my experience, they make sound stages look a lot like, so what I've learned is the first season of a show, if it's like a medical show, they'll usually use like a, a real hospital. It, Cause it's cheaper. Cause it's cheaper. <laughs> and then when they realize they get renewed, they'll build a soundstage hospital. Right. But this, is, this isn't a medical show. No. And I also don't watch a lot of medical shows. So it's like, sometimes you can recognize that kind of stuff. Like, Oh, that's the scrub set or whatever. But it, 
because that hallway was so long, I was just like, this has to just it be a regular like a hospital. hospital. Yeah, hospital or like just an on-site, you know. Or it could be an office. Or it could office, be a hospital they built or something a long warehouse. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but they definitely, I, from what I've recognized is a lot of the times it's just a real hospital if it's just one yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Like a decommissioned hospital or something Correct. like that. Like Scrubs' Scrubs's is hospital before they knocked it all down. Because mm-hmm. that hospital doesn't exist anymore. There are so many hospitals that like, they're, oh, we have an old building that no one's been in for 10 years. I'm sh- I, like the, They have an entire like underground wing of the hospital that's just, oh, no one uses this anymore. As long as there's no carpet. So there's a lot of hospitals out there that have like an underground area that they use for maybe filming and all that stuff. No, they don't use it for filming. They use it for used to be the hospital, and now the hospital has built up other stuff, and it's just empty. I mean, it's still a hospital. There's just nothing happening. It's a hospital for ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's for and to creep people out it's a hospital yeah. for ants it's underground it for <laughs> for the sacrifices correct just for human sacrifices yeah that that part was getting like things got really weird they had so many ideas he had a so lot of fevers ideas. and i was thinking, yeah is he having fevers because he's going through withdrawals because he got he got drugged up a lot and he's a recreational or professional depending on how you want to look at it user of uh, hallucinogens and psychedelics. Oh, that's so that right. I, told, I, I watched this whole thing a long time ago. I forgot that he is a, a regular uh, partaker of psychedelic mushrooms who yeah. then refers to it as seeing God, which feels like, I mean, that's a pretty big jump. Are you I sure think. we're not watching Midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it can certainly feel like that, but not it's also weird that he meets that guy in like a club bathroom to buy mushrooms. <laughs> The guys that sell mushrooms, are, they live next door to you. <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> the other thing I noticed, too, that was odd was everyone's chart was kind of left in front of their bed, which doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, that's a that's a TV hospital thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one looks at charts left in the open anymore. Because Cause you can't leave charts open. in the open anymore because that's illegal. That's against HIPAA. The Health Information and Protective Services Act. Is that right? Health Insurance, Portability, Accessibility, and something act. Oh, PRN stands for pro re nada, which means as needed. Everything in medicine is Latin. Except for HIPAA. Health Insurance, Portability, and Accountability Act. Oh, Jackson's right. It's stupid, right? Like Yeah, it's real dumb. You would think you'd think because you don't you shouldn't need health insurance to get private health care. Yes. Or so, so why is that part of our health care? Because because America. All right, this is going to be too big of a topic for right now. <laughs> <laughs> we could just do a HIPAA-focused episode sometime. Just based on this person's chart? Just, that, just me pulling my hair out? <laughs> no, HIPAA is important, though. No nose. Oh, no nose. Do I don't know what they call them in the adult world, but when we put on... Mittens, we call them oopsies in the adult world. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you call the things to prevent your patients from pulling out their IVs? Mittens. You call them mittens? And we... we that's a restraint. You're not allowed to use them. If you're doing that, you need a sitter in the room. So we call them no nos for kids. So they Is have. It, so they can't get their fingers in their noses. No, they still can. <laughs> but also, there's two no nos. So there's the mittens, mm-hmm. and then there's the thing that we put on their elbow. Oh, so like they can't. Velcro, so they can't bend their arm to get to their um, IVs. So they basically are straight armed, going like straight up and down like Frankenstein, and can't pull their IVs. It works, but yeah, we call them no nos. Um, but also, the way they put on this person's no-nos looks like they can be easily removed with his teeth. And he definitely does use his teeth to get around because he uses his teeth to throw the pillows onto the ground so he can roll onto them. 
Man, that guy was a bloody mess crawling along the floor. Like, where, where was all that blood coming from? His back. <laughs> from the epidural. <laughs> from the epidural. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's his main infection risk, that epidural. He's got meningitis from all that. Yep. Um, but now I lost my train of thought. But well, the no-nos. You said that they were, they were put on poorly. They were put on poorly. And, yes, I agree with Greg. Those are restraints. You definitely need a sitter. And you can't just put those on lightly. It has to be someone who is, like, delirious or has some kind of cognitive injury, I guess, that would cause them to not be able to follow directions and can interfere with care and cause themselves harm. It's funny because all that stuff, like uh, the those mittens or the no-nos, are, it's all designed in a way to combat the rule of not restraining people because you, like, you start by, oh, we'll just tie them to the bedpost so they can't do it. Well, you can't do that. Well, what if we what if we make it so they can't bend their arms? Well, that's a restraint. What if we like put their hands in such a way that they can't use them? Like, yeah. And so I've that, got oven mitts and duct tape. But it's like I mean, it's like everything like that has its little space in history where like, well, you could do that for a little while, and then they're like, no, this is still we're still restraining the patient. You're not supposed to do that. You it mean like you're the, not addressing the you problem. mean like the Superman cape that I make kids wear when <laughs> I'm gonna sew their their lacerations on their head? Like, and I'm just gonna put you in this cape and wrap you tight like a burrito. Do you know what the cape is? Is it a Superman cape? So I slide their arms into a pillowcase oh, yeah. and then have them lie down on it so they can't move their arms. And then we wrap them like a burrito. It sounds like he's torturing kids, but this is for their own safety. I don't want them bucking and then getting a needle somewhere where it shouldn't have been. Mainly my finger. Or their eye. <laughs> Mostly my finger. <laughs> but it's true. I'm being so snarky and mean today. Usually I'm not. <laughs> oh, you know, the, the thing that sort of like set me off the most this is the second time i had to sit through this episode i actually mainly why i recommended it was so that you guys had to sit through it but when he drops the gel ball and then it bounces into the hall like the gel ball is designed specifically to not do any of that it doesn't bounce or anything it won't roll even it's just like (laughs) and it's like a major plot point for someone coming in his room just was very Mm -hmm. frustrating did they ever find the cross or the rosary nope they did nope. zoom in on it significantly, so it wasn't Chekhov's rosary. I mean, I th- except the the priest may or may not have been real and may or may not have been a bad guy. Right. So maybe it was a good thing that it didn't land. Did face the rosary down. turn into a Bible? No, the Bible was in the. No, drawer. the Bible was there. The Gideons they stay in hotel. They stay in hospitals too. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible was in his heart all along. <laughs> the Bible. The real Bible was the friends they made along the way. <laughs> that's it. That's that's the that's the phrase. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, he rolls off the bed, going back to the episode, rolls off the bed, crawls towards his pants, which, why were his pants so far away from him with the cell phone? I don't mm-hmm. know, but I mean, and he's just, been there and for just it, sitting out. He's been there for at least three days. How There's no way his, his phone has a charge. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. Also, great reception in there that he was able to call his friend. Yeah. Cause do you have any, do you have a code word for when things are going really bad and you can only get one word out to your, to your friends? No. I should. Mumbled help. Banana. <laughs> oh, my God. He said banana. He said, if, you, if I ever say banana, I got to come running immediately. Yep. Got to find out where I'm at. Banana. But he dragged blood all over the place, got dragged back into bed. And you would think a, a clever sociopath would get housekeeping to clean up the blood a little better. A little bit. <laughs> and that blood was already brown by the time the, the friend showed up. So that blood has been out for a while for it to, to oxidize and turn brown. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no. I mean, if, hey, if you're trying to get away with murdering people, step one is clean up the blood. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't want people to know you've been messing around. 
tidy up a little bit. This is not a sociopathy podcast. <laughs> the other thing I thought was was when his uh, when his bedmate was saying to follow the yellow brick road, and I thought he was going to have him pull out his urinary catheter, which would have made way more <laughs> way more sense. Oh, speaking of his friend, when his legs magically reappeared, I said, "Where'd your legs come from?" It's like, "Oh, they probably drained it because it was purple." I think he said, "You're you're correct." And I, I'm gonna. I can't wait to hear what you're gonna say, and then I'm gonna correct you with something patient, you don't know. The patient says, "My legs are swollen and purple, and they just got tapped." Mm-hmm. I never heard of that. So, y- yes, Teach you're me. correct. <laughs> it it is a thing that we do a little bit in palliative care. Um, so there are patients who just stop responding to diuretics. Diuretics make your body lose water weight, trying to get get some of the fluid off of you. Um, and that water weight often ends up in the lowest part of your body, which for a lot of our patients is their legs. So legs what if can it's get, their scrotum? That happens too. Uh, legs can get really, really big. They can, they can look like tree trunks. They also can, if they're like that for a long period of time, they can get, um, they can get skin changes. They look like almost like tree bark. They can look really, really gross. Um, but when the legs are swollen like that and there's fluid behind it, you can either flush fluid out of the body with diuretics or the thing that we have learned recently is that you can use like, like what he said, like a, um, like a maple tree, use a butterfly needle. You can put it on there and have it drain specifically through there. So you can potentially drain, um, some pretty focused edema that would otherwise be difficult to get to. That is gross. It is gross. I never do that in the emergency department. Obviously the only, the only fluid that we ever drain is, um, from your stomach Mm -hmm. when you have really bad ascites from liver failure. Which, now that we're seeing adults in our hospital, is something we do. Um, the, the thing about diuretics is that they make your blood pressure drop when you're getting rid of all that fluid. And my patients are often too sick to even have that kind of medicine. Their blood pressure is already too low. Mm-hmm. And so this is a way where you can remove some of that uncomfortable fluid and uh, and sort of address that issue of swollen. I mean, sometimes they'll, your legs will even... your Whatever is swollen will also be itchy because the skin is stretched out kind of awkwardly. So you can, you can get at that symptom management without having to kind of affect everything in the whole body. So it's actually pretty effective, but also he's not likely to be a patient that's suffering from that. That's kind of like an older sick person. I was going to ask you, when, at one point when you tap the leg, does the leg grow back? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that just ties into the hallucination aspect, yeah. though, of how much of what David was seeing was real and how much of it was his fever dream slash demon slash May Queen. Yeah, slash May Queen. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of confusing things in this episode in general. Mm-hmm. I, that's, I mean, that's kind of why I wanted you guys to see it because it's just so nonsense. Like yeah. they, they clearly had a lot of ideas that they wanted to get out, but also none of it is coherent. And they, I mean, anyone looking at that with a medical background could have suggested a lot of small things to make it not so frustrating to watch. I think the least frustrating part was when Kurt Fuller came in. Yeah. Uh, friend of the show, Kurt Fuller, in that he retweeted us, um, <laughs> uh, who we've discussed before from No Holds Barred, plays Kristen, the psychologist's therapist and uh, psychiatrist. And he comes in having spoken with David before. He comes in as David's doctor. He's swinging that when he walks in, too. He swung, he swung that doctor. <laughs> yep. <real big>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he, he swung his official I'm a doctor ID badge out there and his... threatened to have her jo- the uh, nurse plague's job because uh, he golfs with the board of nurses. 
Is saying like I'm a doctor walking into the hospital kind of like the I, do you know who I am of celebrities? Yes, it's exactly yeah. that. Yeah. You're not giving me the respect I should have despite the fact that I have no credentials or power here. <laughs> and also he was lying when he walked in because he is not that patient's doctor. Although no. maybe he is, but also you're not you're you're not treating anything psychiatrically there. No. He's he's in there for a surgical thing. But yeah. he, he did call out like crappy nursing. It's a it's a weird flex and then he also immediately threatened to sue the hospital. Mm-hmm. And this is a thing that family members think that that means something and it doesn't. But I I think if you want to protect your loved ones in the hospital and you should, like have somebody be there with them, make sure that when medicine's being given, make sure that you know what it is, don't be afraid to write things down, always ask questions. If you don't understand something or if people don't think that you care, it makes them care less. Yeah. Don't be annoying, but also it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to participate in the care. Yeah. But also know that yelling at people does not help anything. No. I mean, there mm-hmm. was one time when they, the doctor, I remember when my grandmother was sick and she was in the hospital and she was like hospice or palliative care kind of situation. And they had to roll her to prevent decubitus ulcers and whatnot. And then one day she was just really in a lot of pain and screaming a lot. And we were asking like, what's going on? And the doctor was really defensive. Mm-hmm. We finally like palpated her arm and she's like screaming of pain whenever we got to her, like her upper arm, got an x-ray of it. Of course, it's broken and they broke it while they rolled her. Mm-hmm. And it explains why all of them were being defensive and angry. <laughs> Every, everyone's got their guard up already. Yeah. And we didn't say like, we're going to sue you or anything like that. But like the biggest question was, how did you let this happen? Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's a better way to ask. But if your doctors are already being defensive and scary, that's usually a bad sign. That is a bad sign. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that's worth knowing is like, like this is a big, every hospital is a big organization with a lot of moving parts and things can go wrong and they do go wrong. There's a lot of stuff in place to hopefully make sure that they don't. Um, but there's also sort of a culture of we can't let anything bad ever happen. And because of that, sometimes things get compounded because instead of addressing a small problem, it becomes a big, a big, big problem. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, this is a roundabout way of getting back to the same point, but if, if you know someone that's in the hospital, you should make sure somebody is there with them all the time. That will at least show people that you care enough that they're going to be paying a little bit more attention to what's going on. I mean, because otherwise it's, it's a job for people and, and like any job, attention can lax and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, things can happen, but if you can be a present for somebody, it will, it will affect their care in a positive way. Yeah. And also don't be a jerk and yell at people. Yeah. Just don't be a jerk. Like, Go, you know, that's pretty good life advice yeah, right now. Try not to be don't a jerk. Don't be a jerk. We're all trying to help right now. Please stop being dicks. You know, wear a mask. Don't be a jerk. Simple, simple, easy things you can do to make everyone better. But thanks, Dr. Oh, yeah, I, wrote, I wrote, if you have concern for malpractice, don't leave. Because she, like, figures out <laughs> something bad is happening and then immediately leaves the hospital. You're right. <laughs> Walks straight to the elevator. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what makes you not suspicious? really following a family member out into the elevator, like really behind him. Yeah. His family members love that. But thanks, Dr. Kurt Fuller. <laughs> who, yeah. How the real have, hero. The real hero of all of this and saved that guy's life. You got to add him and, and let him know we talked about him again. I mean, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Almost assuredly. Almost assuredly. But yeah. And we um, love this episode, Kurt. If this is the only part you hear, we I, loved it. I actually really like him in the show. I, yeah. I think he he was the greatest character in Psych too. So the so evil got picked up for a second season. I'm actually mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. I still want to know like how this episode is so weirdly out of place. It's not like the other ones, but it's also this like the other 
it fits with the rest of the the plot, right? Like it only fits in this particular space, so it can't. It's not like they ran out of money, and so they needed a bottle episode. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think that it's it's a interest. It, it was a lot of things were trying to happen at once. Yes. I think that one thing, but that... also nothing nothing gets advanced. No. They tried to shoehorn a medical episode in, <laughs> and it didn't work. Well, I I think what they wanted to do was have this fever dream what's real what's not moment and that's something that they did do like you know we know that there are that there may be demons in this world um and we know that david believes that there are and so him seeing these things in the hospital okay is he seeing something that's real the same way is uh Kristen seeing that that is her night terror demon real or not um i really that's an interesting question but the execution of it was not a we're wondering what's real and what's not. At right. least for right. me, yeah. it was I'm wondering what's happening. Like what? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like I stopped a lot and going, what is this show going? Like where? What is? Yeah, going did you on? had you watched any of it? Oh, oh. So that made me even more confused. I mean, it's a like it has no place in the show as an it. it the show definitely there, there's some sort of supernatural stuff happening, yeah. right? But also, like, what was like? Who were those faced? Like, it was just, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> this would confuse it, a first it, time. It viewer. serves one point, two points in the plot. Number one, you know, get David stabbed, and number two, he but had that angel. It didn't even serve that. He got stabbed the episode before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I think maybe they just forgot that this actor isn't actually Luke Cage, and they might have actually stabbed him. (laughs) (laughs) He really had to be down for a week. Like you really, you really got to take this one for the team because because he's he's just that good. They thought he was really Luke Cage. It's just frustrating because I think it it was such a like it was such a weird find in Netflix during this time of having to watch Netflix all day to keep them going crazy, (laughs) and then all of a sudden. It's just like you guys could have taken that episode out of the. It wouldn't. Nothing would have changed. Just like, oh look, mm-hmm. he's out of the hospital. We found the guy. <laughs> like, nothing else happened. They could have fit this all into the pre-credits. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Instead, they stretch it out in a pre-credit scene into pain. Yeah. Yeah. The. So there were a total of three people working in that hospital, right? Bad. There were two. There were good nurse, bad nurse, and doctor that shows up. When or not, when you mean, Dr. Uh, don't sue me when, when Kurt don't Fuller's there, yeah, Dr. Don't sue me, yeah, yeah, that is the entire staff of this hospital, correct? They that... needed a, the candy striper from uh, Bob, Bob and tonsils out, yes, because she did all the work too. Oh, also, there's presumed housekeeping too. No, there isn't, not no. here. That's why the not... blood was on the floor. <laughs> so <long. laughs> touche, touche. Um, what about the demons that? Wheeled patients. I'm not talking about the demon. There's no point. <laughs> yeah, that, maybe that, that would be. Those happen. are the other employees. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how they look at everybody else. Yep, demons. The X-ray techs are all demons. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. If there are any X-ray techs out there, you guys no. are great. I, I've got some questions I need to ask. Of course you do. Uh, but beforehand, anything else we want to point to? I didn't know pulling out an IV would cause an alarm. I wrote that down. Well, that's where all the uh, all, all of his sensors were. Oh yeah. That, that's what the monitors that weren't there were attached to was just the IV. So the 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 IV pump has a monitor that monitors the flow. So if the flow stops, there's a beep, and so potentially there could be a mo- something where if you pull the IV out and the flow is going too fast because there's no it's resistance, not, it's not then that it could loud, bump. Though. But also, 
there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> it also isn't that loud. And not that loud. Um, what else did I I wrote some other stuff. but Yeah, usually if we give someone opiates, they're on monitors, at least in the emergency department. Yeah, we're definitely trying to do a lot more of that. I, I mean, I don't. I just mean hospital. The medical the establishment royal is the trying ro- to do that. The royal we. Yeah, we we use opioids a little bit differently in hospitals, but I'm still very upset that the checkoffs rosary did nothing, and then the call button, which I originally I thought was a PCA button. It was. It is a PCA button. It was. Yeah. Oh, okay. PCA is patient controlled anesthesia. It's a way that patients can give themselves medication. We we use it a lot to kind of dial in the a dose for somebody that's using a lot of medication. But um, they described but, it as a call button. Right, yes. right, but it's it's I mean, a different. But what it actually was yeah. was the, yeah, the patient control. It was it was the thing with a button on the end of it that they pulled out of the medical cart supplies and stuck it in the bed. Here you go. You'll call. Hey, somebody. we got this box from Gray's Anatomy. <laughs> exactly, because yeah. the normal patient call button actually has an intercom on it. Usually, uh, usually, I, I mean, usually it's more of a walkie-talkie like, square thing with a square button that you push and go help. I need help. Or a pull but string. Instead, you use your iPhone for that, and you say, "Help, banana, help." Right. No, <laughs> you I say, only got one word, so it's banana. That's it. Oh man, what am I gonna do when you call me and say banana? <laughs> <I'm> gonna, <laughs> like for real, banana or like banana? Like banana, banana, <laughs> <laughs> banana, haha, or like banana? Too late. Jackson's dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I shouldn't have thought about that banana. <laughs> I was hungry and dying. <laughs> But I don't think there's anything else I have to mention, All right. Greg. Then I, I do have an important question. The human centipede bills itself as 100% medically accurate. It sure does. If that's the case, how medically accurate is Season 1, Episode 11 of Evil, Room 320? 80. I, I think it's less accurate than the human centipede. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I'm going to say 80. I don't want to agree with you, so I'm going to say 75. You <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I I think that they had someone who was vaguely familiar with medicine and had a story to tell about a bad experience they had with a nurse, and then things got a little bit out of control. Um, whereas in Human Centipede, a lot of plausible things are happening. Yeah, like getting sewn mouth to anus. It's yeah. plausible. It was somebody who, who had a story to tell and had a bad experience. Yeah. <laughs> also, also a story to tell. That was Johnny. That was Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would sum it up pretty well. Uh, and uh, is there a way that you would have improved the medical accuracy while keeping the dramatic stakes high? A, question one, were there dramatic stakes in this episode? No, that's no. A, there's a problem with an unreliable narrator, which once you realize that you can't trust what the narrator is showing stakes you, then gone. there are no stakes anymore. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the better thing to do would have been to have a have a more focused interaction or, or a more focused timeline when he was alert. And then during the times after he got medication, then things could get crazy. But then they have to mm-hmm. kind of get back to normal again so that you, you know... Is he under yeah. the effects of something? But just like this is all over the place. Yeah, I um, I thought where it was going to go until about halfway through was that the nurse was fine and just the priest was the bad guy. See, that would have been interesting. Just being him being paranoid. Yeah, and everything else was was David being loopy. Yeah, I mean the fact that they even at the end of it they showed that like oh she's re- you know like she's really killing it's real like. 
then yeah. but, like it just makes everything kind of not make sense. Like no one could be No I one's mean, that evil. No, people are that evil, but man, you can't suffocate somebody in the hospital and get away with it. It's it's it would be really there's tough. findings. There's hundred percent findings. Yeah. Yeah, that's like that's that's kind of where I thought it was going. And I I don't want this to be a we don't like evil. No. Because no, I really Jackson, like it. Yeah, we really like it. There are other episodes that are legitimately scary. Yeah. Like, I, my wife and I have been working opposite shifts, and so I watched a couple of those episodes while she was working late nights, and it was like 1030 at night or something like that. I got skeeved out, like with the Christmas episode. Scary. I mean, and also uh, the 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 um the kind of creepy uncle vibe of that one dude, and you just kind of never know what he's gonna like, where he's gonna show up, and it's always like, ugh, he does yeah. a good job being somebody to hate. And yeah, her like little nighttime hallucination is done so well. Yeah, um, Ben. Yeah, there's there's this creepy um night terror demon that keeps coming to her and then ben linus from lost is and it is in his mind at least working with the devil and also dating the main character's mom yeah i think i think what i really like about it is the fact that there's you know it's a world with supernatural stuff but they all it's they give you a science explanation so you can enjoy it from either mm-hmm. perspective from a secular perspective yeah it, Teach it's me religious your secular X-Files. ways. <laughs> it is really that's exactly what it is. It's religious X Files. Yeah. Um the T files. Yeah. Because of the cross. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> All right. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good way to spend your New Year's Evil. It's yeah. New Year's Evil. Nice, nice. Yes. Um, with that, folks, thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Um, check out Evil and get to this episode and tell us what you think. Uh, give us a call at 530-DOCTORB. Um, I, would, I would like to know what people think of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I am curious, too. I was looking at review, like conversations online. People really liked it, and I'm confused. I mean, it's the same people who like The Good Doctor. That's true. Yeah. But um, you like The Good Doctor. No, I do oh, not. Oh, oh God. No. likes The Good Doctor. Courtney likes The Resident, which is also bad. All right. Uh, Well, we will be back next week to talk about more Hollywood medicine. Uh, Thanks, Greg, for joining us. I'm Greg Winter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm Greg Winter. Hi, Dad. It's me, Greg Winter. Just say hi, Greg Winter. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, folks, for listening. This has been your fever dream of an episode. Uh, And we'll be back next week with more Hi, Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Bye, everyone.